Today's a national day of action for the Dakota Access Pipeline folks, which means, I guess, uh, all over the country they're doing things. Uh, here in North Dakota, what they decided to do apparently was block railroad tracks near Mandan. Uh, a group of, uh, I don't know, maybe 100 to 200 of them, uh, per the pictures that I've seen. This is just me estimating. I, I don't, it's not an exact count. Uh, but they... Um, they went up to the uh, to Man- near Mandan today along Highway 10, Old Highway 10, I think it's called, and um, I-, I think they were trying to target a Dakota Access like work yard or, or equipment yard, and th- they couldn't get in there, so they were blocking the railroad tracks. They popped the the tires on a car uh, near the railroad tracks. I don't know if they actually had the car on the railroad tracks, but certainly the protesters were standing all over the railroad tracks. Uh, there have been arrests, I, I think maybe as many as 10 arrests. Police were forced to use uh, pepper spray again. But, uh, you know, it's it's it may be a national day of action, but it feels like here in North Dakota it's every single day or nearly every single day, and it's just getting tiresome. I, I heard I heard a while back somebody, somebody said, and I'm forgetting who this was, uh, somebody said the closer you get to the protest, the less likely you are to find people who support the protest outside of the protesters themselves. And, and I think that's accurate uh, because these people have just been a, uh, whatever you may feel about the pipeline itself, the protesters have just been an absolute headache. You know, the, the way they're behaving themselves, they're not showing respect for the community around them. They're not showing respect for, for people just trying to live their lives around the protests. And I actually have one of those people on with me. I wrote a blog post about uh, a Washington Time articles featuring Mr. Ernie Fisher and his wife. Uh, Mr. Fisher is a rancher on the Standing Rock Reservation. He owns land that are near the protest, land that is near the protest encampments. Uh, he ranches buffalo, and he has been struggling with the impact of these protests on his business. Mr. Fisher, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for your time. Well, Rob, I tell you what, I I thank you for you know bringing this out, making it more public for you know what's. Yeah. What we feel is, you know, important and, and, and uh, you know, and impacting our lives, not just ours, but other ranchers and and uh, the commerce that's getting affected in, in well, our area of the state. Well, let's 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 talk about that. What's what what has been in your experience? What impact has this had on your life, on your business? Well, actually, um, we don't own any of that Cannonball Ranch. Um, we live on the South Dakota, North Dakota line in the town of Southridge, but um, we have um, interest in the buffalo there. And, um, okay. you know, when you have to drive there and you get stopped or you get delayed or you, the road's closed, you have to take an extra 30, 40 miles around, an extra two hours to get to a place, um, the animal's getting disturbed. Um, you don't know if you're going to make it to Bismarck today because the roads are going to be closed or are they going to be closed and you get there and, and where do you go, what do you do, and how long is this going to last? And not just for us, but everyone south of I-94 on the you know Highway 6 and 1806 corridor, now being 1806 is closed at the, at the Shaunapee Bridge that crosses you know under 1806. Um, you know, those people from Fort Yates, Cannonball area, you know, have to drive to the west over to Highway 6 and then go north. And so it's it's an impact to everyone, and it's it's frustrating. You you said, I, I noticed you, you said that, that you have missing livestock, missing buffalo. Tell us about that. 
Well, we've gotten reports from people, and, um, you know, you just don't know which way to take it at first. And and we would go up there, and, we, you know, we would do the best we can trying to, you know, maintain a <clears throat> proper head count on, on the livestock. And and um, counting buffalo is kind of like counting a, a, a swarm of bees. It's difficult. But, you know, as we're getting closer and we're noticing that some of our animals that we do know, um, the ones that come a little bit closer to us or the ones that, you know, you just kind of get to recognize them a little bit more, aren't there. And um, we're getting reports and we're getting evidence from people that um, these are possibly some of our animals and um we, you know, turn out to you try and count them, and and uh, by God, you're you're never coming up long. You're always coming up a little short, a little short, a little short. And when these, you know, adult animals are bringing thirty-eight to four thousand dollars, and these little calves are bringing five thirty-five, five fifty a pound, so that makes it, you know, a little calf is bringing fifteen to two thousand um, dollars. It's an a huge economic impact. Not to say that. You know the fences that are destroyed. Um, we just can't go there and fix these fences. Um, you, the buffalo have to be rounded up, put back in there. You have to spend your day looking for where the fence is cut, multiple times, one pastures, many times. And when you're doing this day after day after day, the work that needs done isn't getting done. Their job is to protest. Our job is to make a living. They're accomplishing or doing their job, and we're doing ours. We're all here for a better tomorrow, but we have way different views on you, how There to was get one there. incident in the Washington Times article where you said one day you were fixing the fence, you look behind yourself, and they're cutting the fence just as fast as you were fixing it along the highway. Uh, in the in the article, you said uh, you went up to him. You said, "Hey guys, w- what's the deal?" And you said pretty soon you had seventy five people on the other side of the fence, and they're all yelling at you and calling you a greedy oil person. Tell us about that situation. What happened there? We had gotten calls from from Morton County and um, and the neighbors to the north that our buffalo were out. Um, so we go there and we have to. Find them. We have to chase them back through the neighbors' hay fields, through the neighbors' hay bales, through the neighbors' cornfields. Um, we have to get them in. We have to find out, you know, where they got out. So you run the whole fence, and it's shot. So we're going to move them into another pasture. So um, this pasture was adjacent to what you would have called the uh, North Campsite. Let's just say Mount Marker 37 on 1806. Um. And as we cruise around this pasture on the four-wheeler, it's, you know, the closer you get to the camp, the more debris, the more plastic bottles, the more tarps, um, the more trash is littered from the highway towards the river. Um, You could start to see clips off the fence. You could start to see wires raised to where um, people could, I would suspect, run into the pasture. And so as I drive and I'm clipping, I'm fixing, there's people walking on the highway, and, and um, you know, I'm not there to cause an argument one way or the other. I'm there to, you know, I'm there for the safety of the buffalo, so the buffalo don't get hurt, and so no one gets hurt from the buffalo. And you start, they start saying, hi, how are you? They walk down the fence, you're fixing your fence, and they're away from you. And you know what, if you, what are you guys doing here? We're protecting Mother Earth. 
well, who pays you guys? Mother Earth supplies us. Mother Earth takes care of us. Well, come on now, folks. Reality check. What are you doing here? Where are you from? What are you doing? And so when you put some of these protesters on the defensive and ask them for an answer, um, they come, let's just say they come unglued, they go postal on you. They start hollering. They start screaming, which draws the attention of others. You know, let me, uh, I got to do my job. I got to fix my fence. I look back. Yeah. Come on, folks. What the heck? You know, really? Yeah. I'm just trying to keep the buffalo in. We're talking with uh, Ernie Fisher. He's a rancher. He's got an interest in the buffalo ranching that's been happening on the uh, the Cannonball Ranch near the uh, protest areas, South Central North Dakota. He's been having all sorts of troubles, but just been telling me what it's like uh, every day having to go up, having to fix fences, worrying about uh, the impact on his cattle, the noise impact. You know, one thing when you were talking in the last segment, though, Ernie, you were talking about trash. As you, as you get closer to the protest area, that you're seeing trash in the ditches and plastic. Tell us more about that. Well, whenever you have a chance, <clears throat> not whenever, but when there's camping going on that's adjacent to the road or, you know, the wind's naturally going to take some of this here, wrappers, uh, plastic bottles, debris. Um, we found building supplies from Menards um, for temporary roofing, two-by-fours, um, this here plastic fiberglass roofing, um, a ton of tarps, um, plastic water bottles, plastic water bottles, um, just, you know, wrappers. You know, um, not all of it is blown in there by the wind. I mean, you go down to um, the Shaunapee Bridge, just south of Mile Marker 35 on 1806 South County Road 134. Um, there's a bridge there that, um, I mean, if we're so worried about the, the Mother Earth and the water, why would you start vehicles on fire right on top of the bridge? I mean, it's in, in a sense, a, a hiccupos, you know, it, it's just a little bit hypocritical, I guess. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. 701-293-9000, 888 you also said you were worried about the impact of the noise of, of protesters, honking cars, things like that, on on your your cattle, and, and obviously that has an impact certainly on um, their health. Tell us, I'm not a rancher. I don't, I don't know. I, but, but tell us about that situation. That was something you'd also indicated you were worried about. Well, the cattle, the cattle incidences are happening on the Sioux County side, and Sheriff Landice, who's doing a great job, can address that. Um, we're on the north side of the Cannonball, and so our dealings are with the Buffalo, and who are, you know, they're just naturally pissed off. They're like little dinosaurs. And so they don't like people. Um, these aren't team animals. They just want to be by themselves. They want to do their thing. So if people drive by every day, they're used to that. But when someone stops and gets out, um, it's out of the element. And heads up to everyone, so they automatically get a lot more nervous. Um, the stress level goes a lot higher. Um, when this is done on a many times a day, every day, um, these things are on edge. And so it makes it very, very difficult for the um, animals to stay calm. While they're protesting, they get worked up. 
they're running around. They don't know which way to go. Um, they're running through fences. Um, animals are getting hurt. Animals are getting killed out there. Um, it's it's unfortunate. Um, it's it's not a good deal. Just leave them alone. Drive by. Take a picture. Don't go out there and don't chase them. Don't go out there on horseback. Don't go out there on ATV. Don't go out there and take a picture. This isn't your property. These aren't your animals. How They're, how is this, how is this going to end, Ernie? How how are we going to reach the end of these protests? You know that's a great question. Um, what's going to end the protest is getting under the river, getting this thing done, getting it behind us. And um, you know what? If they want to go protest, that's their First Amendment rights. That's great. But remember that we have our rights too. You know, perhaps maybe they should build a little get mole up in Bismarck, and and if these people want to protest, I mean, I know we can't put all of them in jail that are breaking the law. I mean, it's just it's a lot for the the law enforcement community to take care of. But um, something's going to be done. Um, you know, there's there's already gunshots being fired out here. Um, people are tired of this. People don't like going and not being able to get to the hospital because these streets are blocked in Bismarck. People don't like working their way two hours to get to Bismarck to find out the roads are closed. Um, I know that Morton County has done all they can. I see the Fargo Police, the Grand Forks Police, uh, Sheriff Paul Laney, Kurt Meyer, the National Guard. I mean, we sit and we visit with all these people, and you couldn't ask for them they're doing the best job you could imagine. I mean, everyone's trying to be patient and do their job diligently. But when you have people, they don't have to survive out here. There's no, well, can they survive the winter? There's tents. There's the GoFundMe accounts. These people have millions of dollars in these accounts. Quit sending these people money, and the protest is going to quit. There's these tents out there. They all they got to do is be there. They get food. They got housing. They got a place to be. Your so, your wife is your your wife is a member of the Standing Rock tribe. Is is that correct? Yes, yes, she is. How do you feel when when they claim that that law enforcement has has treated or or disrespected burial grounds that the pipeline company has disrespected? We burial grounds or artifacts we've heard a lot of claims like that as a member of the community your your wife is an enrolled member of the tribe what's your what's your outlook on that i mean or maybe you could even share her perspective on that well i can't share my wife's perspective on that but i've been i've been on that ranch since monty allen had it um i built fence out there and it was sold, and it was sold, and it was sold, and I've always been on that ranch in one capacity or another. Um, I guess, you know, there's an existing pipeline there. These cultural walks were done. Um, no one's out there to destroy anyone's heritage. Um, when these latest artifacts were found, um, the court access, I believe, was fine, but they did say, hey, we found some of these remains here, uh, you know, ancient... There's a rocks in a circle. That's all I can say. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not no expert at this, but you couldn't ask for better people to be more considerate 
of the Native American heritage than the people that are here now. They're not here to destroy anyone's life. They're here to do their job and go home. Um, you know, there's been many chances for the tribe to have their say, to come to these meetings. This pipeline's been moved numerous times, like close to 400, one way or the other. There's been numerous close to 400 meetings that the tribe did not attend. They didn't attend because it wasn't within the boundaries of the Standing Rock Reservation. All yeah. the other tribes have gone, though. Yeah. I mean, if it's my understanding, one out of every six gallons through this pipeline comes from tribal members. From, from uh, well, it, yeah, from uh, the three affiliated tribes. That's right. Well, Ernie, thank you so much for your time. Good luck down there. Please keep me in the loop, and uh, maybe, uh, hopefully, hopefully there won't be any more developments, and you could just go back to living your life peacefully, but... Uh, I think we're all waiting for this thing to, to come to an end pretty soon. Ernie, thanks for your time. Thank you. Welcome back. Rob Report, WDAY. You know, we're, uh, I think we're all struggling to try to figure out what the hell happened on Election Day. There was a lot of weird stuff that happened, uh, you know, and not just the Trump election. Here in North Dakota, there were surprises in, on the uh, the ballot measures. Um I, I think there were even some surprises. I don't think anybody expected Democrats to win big. Um, I don't think anybody expected them to to be further marginalized to, to the extent that they were in state politics. Um, I didn't expect Hillary Clinton to be so unpopular in North Dakota. Anyway, uh, Mike Jacobs, he's a columnist for the Grand Forks Herald. Um, I, I follow his political columns. I, I think they're great, even though Mike and I don't agree. Uh, on things sometimes I always find his uh, his writing illuminating and I wanted to bring him on the program here and and as we continue to try to decipher just what happened Mike thanks for the time you bet glad to be here what um yeah, the headline of your column is uh North Dakota casts off Democrats when I've heard right. when I've heard North Dakota Democrats talk about this you know they you know a, a, a lot of them seem to be blaming Trump and, and what happened nationally and I, I think Obviously, something as complex as an election, there's many factors and many variables, and that's certainly one of them. Uh, but I, th I think it's more than that. Do, do you agree? What uh, what happened? Uh, well, I think we are we are seeing, uh, uh, and the reason I used the, the phrase "cast off" is we we are seeing a state where the Democratic Party is no longer relevant to the needs of the people of the state. Back in the day, when Democrats enjoyed. Uh, uh, all, they occupied all of the federal offices, the governorship for a good long while. For, occasionally, they even had majorities in, in uh, one or the other house of the legislature because they had built a coalition that, that, uh, that governed North Dakota and that, and that emphasized rural programs particularly, uh, particularly the rural electric cooperatives, particularly the federal farm programs. But all of that is, is no longer relevant in North Dakota. And uh, so that's one historic thing that's happened. The other is that uh, the Democratic Party has alienated a large part of that old coalition through its embrace of social issues, uh, particularly uh, abortion and gay marriage, which, are, of course, are, are, uh, are uh, sort of litmus test issues for Catholics, who are a fairly large portion of the North Dakota voting population, for uh, evangelicals, who are increasing, uh, increasingly active part, of the North Dakota voting population, 
And for Mormons, whose population has risen quite substantially uh, in, in, uh, in concert with the oil boom. So uh, the old coalition has, has, uh, you know, no longer has the power that it did. So I think it's, it's an historic thing. I think, that, I think that a poor presidential candidate, a poor showing by the presidential candidate, made it worse. But it wasn't going to be very good anyway because of the historical trends. We we saw some. I mean, it, it's symbolically you saw the Senate Minority Leader, the House Minority Leader, the Party Chair, uh, all went down in flames. Right. Some. I mean, we had Democrats in really some historically very strong districts for, right. for Democrats uh, went down in flames. I'm thinking of of Bill Ammerman. I'm thinking of. Uh, well, uh, District 42, District 18, uh, right. up at Grand Forks. District 18 certainly... is a particularly interesting one yes. because it was absolutely critical to Heidi Heitkamp's Senate victory in 2012. That's she right. worked very hard in District 18. It's, uh, it's, uh, it has been heavily Democratic. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the seat of uh, St. Michael's Church, uh, quite a heavily Catholic neighborhood. Um, and uh, the, the uh, Senate candidate there, Connie Triplett, uh, uh, I think, two- or three-term incumbent, got 700 votes fewer in 2016 than she did in 2012. 700 votes. So there were 700 Democrats, uh, people who voted Democratic four years ago, who didn't vote for her this time. So I just think that 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 shows a really serious erosion of support in, in a district that had never elected a Republican senator. Um, you know the, the the district dates from 1992, so it's not a not a real old district. But but since it was established after the 1990 census, it has never elected a Republican until today until this this year. When I when really I telling, that, I think I, I I think you're right. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. When I watch the the Democrats talk, and I I'm talking about. Uh, you know, reading their quotes, uh, listening to them on on various media programs, uh, reading their social media postings. It seems like like a group of people who are very often preoccupied with national issues, right? And I and I I feel like that has alienated them from North Dakota because so much of what their national party stands for is not what North Dakotans want. I I, I think there's a lot of room. I don't think North Dakota is a particularly conservative state. I think we're a very populous state, which I think in right. a lot of ways maybe maybe describes uh, is why Donald Trump was so successful here. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But yep. and I, I think there is room for Democrats to be successful in that environment. I don't necessarily think North Dakotans are, are predisposed to to just be knee jerk against anything a Democrat could possibly stand for. I think there's room. It's just it seems like today's Democrats, particularly their younger leaders, and I'm thinking about Miss Overson. I'm thinking about Max Schneider. I'm thinking about even Cory Mock, although he did win re-election. Um, right. I, I'm thinking about some of the things that they choose to focus on are just not in step with North Dakotans. Am I off base? Uh, I don't. I don't think you're off base. The other. The other thing that you didn't say that can be said, I think, about Democrats is that is that they had a very poor uh, election strategy. They chose bad issues. Uh, you know, they 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 were they were uh, you know if not deliberately misleading, at least not quite accurate about the impact of the oil tax measure that was passed in the last session. Uh, they got on the wrong side, Kylie Overson, particularly a popular sentiment in the state about the pipeline protests. Uh, and they didn't, you know, they, they spent their money uh, on, uh, on legislative candidates, you know, in the Red River Valley, 
we saw a lot of advertising on uh, on uh, television for legislative candidates in Grand Forks and Fargo, but all of that advertising is being billed at a very high price for the whole audience when only a fraction of the audience can actually right. vote for those candidates. So, you know, they, they, they threw a whole lot of money away there. And Connie Triplett uh, boasted in the Herald that she didn't need to go door-to-door because everybody in the district knew her. You know, so <laughs> they, made some bad, they made some bad political judgments. That, that also drove their numbers down, I think. 701-293-9000, How do they start to rebuild, Mike? How do, how do they come back? Uh, you know, I, I, think that, I think that the coming legislative session is going to be extremely interesting uh, because the Republican majority is going to be so large that it, that it is almost going to be impossible to keep it together. And yeah. so we're going to see, and because the governor is new and has quite, different notions about how budgets should be structured and, and what should be emphasized in government than the previous uh, administration. Uh, I think that there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing among Republicans. I think it's going to be difficult to maintain that very large majority. You know, I had imagined that if there were uh, 30 Democrats, say, in the, in the House and, and the 15 in the Senate, whatever, you know, those would have been enough to become critically important in passing legislation one way or the other. But the, the, the number is so small that, they, that they're probably not going to be decisive, even if the, even if well, the Republican majority uh, fractures. They may not even be able to fill out all their committee assignments. I mean, that's... Yeah, exactly. But let me offer a counterpoint to that, because I, I think it's really been remarkable the, the length of time that the, that the Republicans have been able to, to, to maintain... A supermajority in the state, um, you right. know, and, and granted, it's it's been to one size or another, but they've been they've been calling the shots for for quite a while now, and it just excluding the the federal offices, um, right? And and I I think a big part of that strength because one, I was reading an article and it was about how Doug Burgum was going to face challenges coming in as as a new governor and the legislature was going to challenge him, and they quoted Ed Schaefer, who was a great person to go to about this, and he said that when he was elected in 1992. The first people to challenge him were Republicans, and and so I yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying about about a Repu- holding together a Republican supermajority, yeah. but but the Republicans have all, always been. I mean, I, I think Democrats like to see them as sort of monolithic and and all yeah. sort of no, marching no, and absolutely lockstep, right about that. and they there don't. Are, and, and their their ability there are to, to at least three political parties in North Dakota, right. and maybe yeah. as many as five. Yeah. <laughs> some of which have the word Republican in their in their. Right. You know, there, there are the there are the social issues Republicans. There are the there are the monetary conservative Republicans. Right. There are the libertarian Republicans, and so on. So it is absolutely not a monolithic party at all. Yeah, and I, I in some ways, I'm not so sure that that's not their strength because it it feels like a lot of the time, Republicans are willing to 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 not tow a party line, and instead, I, I got to think if they're not towing the party line, then they're doing what what they think is is best for their their districts, and it seems to be working because they're not the ones losing elections. Yeah, they, they, the Republicans told the party line on one issue, and that is, uh, that is electioneering. You know, so, so over the course of, of, uh, of the 90s and the early 2000s and you know, the last three decades, the, the structure of North Dakota politics has changed organically uh, because yeah. of, of, uh, of, of uh, changes that have been, that have been brought in by, largely by Republicans, often supported by Democrats, now to their sorrow. Uh, but yeah. the you know the uh, the idea of uh, a four-year 
terms for House members, the idea of electing all of the legislators from one district in the same election cycle. Those things favor incumbents. And so if you can build a big base of incumbency, as the Republicans have, uh, it, it becomes perpetuating in the, in the, in the election structure yeah, that we but have. It's- it's it's tough. So that, that, I mean, we have well. tw- tw- yeah. But if we count if we count retirees, twenty five percent of this legislature is new. Right. I mean, right. it's so it's it's not just incumbents either. Mike, thanks for the time. I certainly appreciate it. You bet. Yep. That's always Mike Jacobs. Talk to you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Mike. And his columns always worth a read. Hey, on tomorrow's show, we're going to have uh, Cass County Sheriff Paul Laney give us uh, the law enforcement perspective. I wanted to have him on. Like I said, today was the day of action. We saw. Certainly some pretty hot um, protest activity down there, but we'll get an update from him on the latest. On the show tomorrow, and uh, Dakota Access folks asking the courts to step in and stop the Obama administration's uh, political obstruction of, of the pipeline. And I, I think that's the right term for it, uh, political obstruction. Uh, America is, is a nation of laws, right? I mean, the, the, getting back to the, the whole notion of, it's 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 maybe it's hard for people in in the modern era to believe it but when we started actually writing down the laws and this goes all the way back to like sumerian times in the middle east it was a revolutionary concept the idea that we would write down the laws because if the laws are written down then the laws are what they law and then you have rule of law as opposed to rule of man right so instead of having a king or a prince or a baron or whatever just sort of making up the rules as they go along, and the law is whatever their will is in any given moment, the law is something that is written down. And then, of course, to, to create the law, we developed all sorts of democratic and representative processes uh, to do this. Here in America, we have a representative government, a republic, and um, which is a form of democracy. And so what we do is we create laws and then everybody is supposed to be equal under the law. And what the Obama administration is doing is really subverting that whole idea of written law. The Dakota Access Pipeline Company uh, spent billions of dollars complying with the law, spent billions of dollars applying for all the permits they needed, working with the, the Army Corps of Engineers, working with private landowners, working with state gover- uh, state regulatory agencies, uh, and got all the approvals that they needed, and and they were they were to the point where the Dakota Access Pipeline had actually issued the permit for them to to cross Lake Oahe, but had not yet issued them the easement, even though they had said that they should made a recommendation that they should issue the easement. And at the zero hour, in stop steps the Obama administration because the Obama administration hates pipelines and they love these left wing protests, and I, I think in some ways they love watching North Dakota be hurt. I really do. I don't I don't understand why else the, the federal government under President Obama would be holding back federal resources from coming here and at the very least just assisting state law enforcement officials in just maintaining law and order. I think that is a calculated maneuver by the Obama administration to hurt us and then politically moves the goalposts on the regulatory process. You can't do that. That is, that, is, that is not how things are supposed to work in a nation that is guided by the rule of law. I mean, there's all sorts of laws, and some of them we like, some of them we don't like. But we follow those laws, and we have in place processes by which we could change those laws, and we should all follow the laws up to and including the president. Uh, let's see, we got a caller on the line, Chad. Got just a couple minutes left, Chad. What's up? 
Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about laws and stuff, but should we honor our treaties and stuff? And I know the pipeline goes over Army Corps of Engineer land that was taken when they made the Missouri yeah. River diversion and built all the dams and stuff. But but isn't that kind of like a law, well, too, where we ourselves broke the law by dishonoring the treaty when they took the land yeah. back from the Indians that we gave them? Well, let me, well, let me let me address some of that. It, it actually, the, the treaties you're talking about are not from when we dammed the Missouri River. The treaties in question are from 1851 and 1868, respectively. Uh, they were the Fort Laramie treaties. Uh, they were signed with with the federal government. Uh, and yeah, in in a lot of ways, the federal government did break those treaties. Uh, and in, in terms of of taking the land. Now, unfortunately, since then, a lot of that land has been deeded legally to private ownership and so what the tribe is trying to do is go back to those original treaties and assert control over land that has been privately owned for over a century and so the question now is what do we do do we take the land away from the legal owners today in order to rectify a wrong that was committed over a century ago or do we try to respect property rights going forward i'm in favor of respecting property rights going forward and by the way if you read the treaties though even if we were to agree that that's treaty land the treaty allows the federal government to build that pipeline thanks for listening folks jay thomas show right ahead don't go away